Hello world. Welcome to the Unraveled podcast. I'm Crystal. First off, I wanted to just say thank you to all of the people that have uh, kind of been giving me some feedback thus far. I received a lot of feedback on the Jalapeno Hand episode and on the episode about me running away when I was a teen. Um, And so I appreciate all of the comments and all of the questions and all of the feedback I received there. So thank you all for listening. Today, uh, we're going to go down a little bit of a rabbit hole um, and uh, hopefully you'll stick with me. So kind of just grab a cup of coffee, pause if you need to, go to the bathroom, whatever it is that you have to do, because um, we're going to go a little deep here. So when I was uh, younger, in my younger years, I was a hippie. Um, and when I say hippie, I mean, just don't get me wrong. Like, I'm going to use hippie in the in the sense of, like, not a pejorative sense, more of a kind of a lifestyle hippie, right? I, um, I bought all of my stuff from the Salvation Army, and I bought very little. Um, I moved a lot because uh, I just did. Uh, I was kind of transient quite a bit. And um, if it didn't fit in my little three-cylinder Geo Metro, two doors, hatchback, then it didn't come with me. And at the time, the one thing that um, was really expensive and that I had obtained was a TV. And if if we're just going, you know, the throwback machine here, um, it was a big butt. Like, it was like a honking, it could have been a chest of drawers. I mean, TVs back then were really big. So that took up most of the space in the Geo Metro. So anything that else that I had had to fit around that thing. And that's kind of how I traveled. Um, And when I went place to place, that's what I took. If it didn't get in the car, it didn't make it. Um, And I learned a lot about a minimalistic lifestyle at that time. I mean, I couldn't afford at one point in time, um, I was, I didn't make enough money to afford my rent and a a whole bunch of other things, Um, you know, electricity, living. Um, And I remember me and uh, my roommate at the time would go to McDonald's and get a, um, uh, super sized because I used to do super sized. I don't think they do that anymore, but they used to do a super sized um, two cheeseburger meal because he could get a cheeseburger and I could get a cheeseburger and we could share um, the big fries and the soda, and that was enough to sustain us for the day. And that's kind of that was the meal that we had. And you know, the, yeah, that's poor living. Um, and when I say poor living, I mean you know you don't have a lot of money living, but. That said, it was also a minimalistic living. You know, it's funny because I, I don't know where you make that draw. I don't know where, where you make that line. Where's the line between um, you're doing it because you don't have the money or you're doing it because you're minimalistic? It's funny. I see all this uh, Maria Kondo stuff going, and I've talked about her before. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I just think it's kind of ironic that, you know, uh, we spend people, a lot of people spend a whole lot of time trying to make a whole lot of money to get more things only to then have a new fad. And I'm using air quotes on the fad um, that tells you to get rid of all that crap. And it's, I mean, it's, you know, Chuck Polnicek, who's one of my favorite writers in Fight Club m- mentions that, you know, about how the things that you own end up owning you. Um, and it seems like we all have to learn that lesson. And it's just, it, the irony there just is, it, it cannot be it cannot be dismissed. It's it's very funny. But anyway, I did it partly out of, uh, back to myself and my um, two cheeseburger meal McDonald's and my, my uh, three-cylinder Metro. I did it in part because of um, not having a lot of money. But I also did it in part because, you know, you live that lifestyle enough and things don't grab the same attention um, as they would when you start to gather them. And I no longer live that life. I've got a pretty uh, decent living and I um, 
you know, I, I, I buy things that, that, uh, that I feel like I need or I, even those as I desire. And over the past year, I've really started to, um, well, let me start with, I started to really care. It's not over the past year, over the past several years. Um, actually, I was introduced to it five years ago. Somebody that was close, that has now become very close to me, introduced me to the concept of eating well. Now, stay with me because this is not an eating well podcast, but there's a there's an arc here. So, um the concept of eating well and, you know, knowing where your food comes from is important. And, and prior to that, I had kind of gone on a rant where I was a vegetarian for a short while because I had read an article and I don't remember, it might've been the Washington Post. I can't recall where a guy had gone to a meat factory and he had said the only thing he would eat uh, or not the only things he would eat. He went to a meat factory because he wanted to know where his meat came from. And I thought, you know, that's a good point. Um, You shouldn't just not know where your stuff comes from. Going to the grocery store and buying something that looks good in a package is not the same as really understanding what you do. And kind of the 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 strongness of that notion of knowing where your food comes from and knowing how your food gets onto your plate, you know, could lead a lot of people to the vegetarian lifestyle, knowing that you have to kill an animal, right? So I had gone down that path actually many 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 years ago. and then fell off that path because I, I had said, I had made the vegetarian comment that like I could only eat what I could kill, right? Um, and which was which was my mindset. I didn't want somebody else to go kill my meat for me so that I could blindly be a consumer and just be happy um, and then not have to think about the fact that something had to die for me to eat to, to value my meal that day. Um, so I had gone on this vegetarian idea that I was, I was not gonna eat anything um, that I couldn't kill. And that sustained me for quite a while. And then I kind of fell off that wagon um, for a variety of different reasons, including some health reasons. I wanted to, I needed more substance. And, you know, a lot of times the problems with vegetarianism is, is that you're not eating healthy enough. You're not, you know, and, and at the time there wasn't, it's not the internet as it was today. There wasn't a lot of resources out there um, to help me, guide me on my journey, or at least the, any that I could find. So anyway, I kind of got off that, but, but part, unfortunately, of getting off that wagon was that I also kind of neglected to, to go back to this concept of where's my food coming from. But then about five years ago, someone that's close to me now, um, reintroduced me to the idea that, you know, you should really, it should really matter where your food comes from. And, um, and that includes meat, you know, knowing where farming is, you know, knowing where you're getting your foods, knowing where you're getting your eggs, what's coming, um, you know, what, what chemicals they spray on your vegetables, all that kind of stuff. And so I had, I had started that up again, about five years ago. And I was pretty, pretty strong in that I wanted to buy from local farmers because I not only wanted, you know, not to have a lot of pesticides on my vegetables and on my fruits, um, you know, trying to buy organic, but then, you know, you go down that rabbit hole of what is actually organic and then that exposes a whole bunch of frauds and, and mistakes, but just kind of a general overview of eating well. So Fast forward, although that wasn't fast, uh, I think it makes you think of Clue, by the way, which is like, um, uh, well, what does he say? It, it, well, it's a bit late for that. That's the that's the line. It's a bit late for that. Um, so uh, fast forward to about a year ago, and um, a friend, a very good friend of mine got some chickens. Maybe that was two years ago at this point. But um, anyway, 
I really started to want to get into this idea of understanding, you know, making my own food. So not just knowing where it comes from and trying to be a conscientious eater in that regard, but also kind of making my own food. And when I say making my own food, you know, really just putting money into a garden, um, starting to really look into maybe keeping chickens or maybe keeping bees. Um with no real desire to make this like a full-time situation. I, I wasn't one of those people, but I just really wanted to, to, to be sustainable at the end of the day. I wanted to, to, to take that next step. Well, that journey has led me to a larger understanding of the farm industry as a whole. And I'm not going to take you down my educational process because everybody should go down the educational process on their own. But the more you go into even the local farming world, you understand or you start to see that there are even cracks there. Um, there was an article today in uh, ProPublica about um, uh, the Cook Brothers, and that's like Tyson's Foods and a couple of other things. Um, I don't remember. They, they have a whole bunch of other conglomerates. But the title of the article uh, is How a Top Chicken Company Cut Off Black Farmers One by One. And this article is really well written um, and, and takes it from the black farmer standpoint of understanding how these big conglomerates have really changed the landscape of farming and small farming. And I don't mean small farming. I, I, I mean what people think is small farming is not exactly the fairy tale that people thought they were. Um, and looking at Dr. Sarah Tabor, she's somebody that you can find on Twitter. I'll link to all this in the show notes. Um, and then even a guy that I used to work with in IT um, that owns uh, Sylvanaka, I'm probably murdering that name, Farms in Virginia. His name is Chris Newman. Um, he's also another advocate uh, for for understanding at a much deeper level, what's actually going on in the farming industry. And I, this is, again, not a not a host, not a podcast about food, and it's not even about farming. I'm not going to do it justice. I'm just, I'm just understanding, you know, getting more educated on what's actually happening out there. Um, but what it does do is gets you to understanding and really reflecting upon the choices that you make as a consumer. This is what the podcast is about. The podcast is about the choices that you make as a consumer. And it's not just in farming, it's in anything else. Um, and I think what has happened is this. When I finally started making money out of um, being, you know, not having a lot of money, um, you know, first you go through this, the, the arc of anyone who's ever really not, you know, the one somebody who's been like me, who had enough money to buy a two cheeseburger meal, and that's what you got for the day. Um or shared a two cheeseburger meal to uh, somebody who actually makes a decent living tends to look like this. Now, this is not everybody's story, but it tends to look like this. First, you start to make some money, and then you actually start to eat um, like decent meals, and then you go out to meal to to meals, and you know you're still wary about how much things cost. You're very looking at how much things cost, and then there's something happens. Something happens where you no longer notice that you're looking at how much something costs it you know buying something whether or not it's a dollar 15 versus a dollar 99 no longer takes your mental energy you don't spend the mental energy doing that kind of math now you know you've you've moved it up then it goes from i care whether or not something's a dollar 15 versus two dollars and five cents now i'm not talking about gas everybody seems to care about what the, co the cost of gas is but i'm just talking about like 
a six pack of soda or, um, you know, the chips that you buy at the store or running over to Sheets or whatever your gas station is and grabbing a bag of chips, which we all know is marked up a just ridiculous amount. Um, the, the difference between getting, you know, I remember when uh, Taco Bell used to have, what was it, 59, 69 and 79 cents tacos. And then now looking at it and going, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to pay $1.15 for a taco. That's crazy. Um, instead of going from there, you know, you, you change your 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 financial barometer and then all of a sudden it's like well if it's under five bucks who cares i i hear this all the time right oh it's only ten dollars oh it's only twenty dollars and where it's only i'm using air quotes where it's only it kind of shows the arc of where you stand on your financial income and that's not a bad thing right that's just how we think we don't have we can't spend the mental energy we want to move our mental energy to something else um but what happens in that whole thing is so, so first that arc starts where you start, you stop caring about, you know, p- counting the pennies and now you're counting the dollars and then you stop counting the dollars and you start counting the $5 and then that matters, right? Oh, it's only a dollar. Oh, it's only $5. And then somewhere in there comes the value shopping. And I think the value shopping is where it goes wrong. Um, value shopping becomes a, a like a sport, right? You always hear this. And I, and and it was almost a sense of pride, right? I would hear this all the time and I still hear this all the time. Oh, you know, oh, I got these jeans and they were only $10 or Kohl's was having a sale and I got 17 shirts of the same size and they were only a dollar. Um, you know, oh, I got, you know, this is the Black Friday concept. I got this TV and it's normally $1,000 and I got it for 700 bucks. And I think somewhere in that arc, value shopping has become synonymous with overconsumption. And overconsumption is the problem. There is so much today about the corporations this and the corporations that. And, and in fact, right now, um, just to, you know, for, for timings, for time stamping, a lot of people are upset because Wayfair um, provided beds for um, the camps that the, the kids or the migrant children are, are residing in, I wouldn't say living, um, but the, the, and whether or not that should be boycotted. And, and so there's a whole lot of conversation going on about that. And everybody has all of this, this angriness about the corporations. But what's funny is, is I've looked at Wayfair and I never bought from them. Why? Because I didn't know where their product came from. And I recognized that what they were doing was, was exactly this. They're selling stuff you don't need. That's really cute for really cheap. And that's, that's, that's already a model for shady business, right? And, and, and I don't mean shady businesses and like, it's a horrible thing, but, um, most of the times when you're getting something that seems like a really, really, really good deal, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's that cheap. It's because the conditions that it's made in um, are probably not the best. The Either the environment, either how they're making it or the up to the levels of leadership. It's probably not in most cases, going to be the healthiest things. This is why when you go to um, buy your uh, meat at a local farmer, it's going to cost more. I mean, anybody who raises chickens can tell you that. Like the cost of raising chickens doesn't equate the amount that you would get out of it, which is why, unfortunately, eggs cost so much. Now, granted, there's a little bit of that whole middle class uh, farmer mentality situation where you go to farmer's markets and something's just outrageously priced um, and how do they keep up with that and then and where does that money come from so there's a whole thread there that I mean like we could go down that rabbit hole for days right like um, that ProPublica article I'm talking about um, if you look at the USDA standards or the the requests that were made you know basically it's pricing out 
of the small farmer, the actual small farmer, not the middle class small farmer I'm talking about. I'm talking about the real farmer, the, the guy that doesn't make any money, you know, having to put up, you know, make $5,000 worth of changes on, on someone who actually has a small farm and is trying to farm for a living can really be a, a big hurdle. And, and so what is that doing is that it's almost the gentrification of farming. It's crazy. But, but back to my point, value shopping has created an over consumerism and the over consumerism is the problem. When I used to buy clothes at the Salvation Army, yeah, one, it's recyclable. Yes, that's great. But two, you know, it limits how much how much shopping you're doing. You're not buying, you know, I mean, hopefully you're not buying hordes and hordes of clothes at, at Salvation Army because why would you, right? It's usually for those people that just need a couple things. You need a shirt for this or you've got shirts that have holes in it or whatever. And value shopping has created an industry that we hate. Right. Like, I, I don't know anybody who thinks that the corporations are just wonderful people. Right. That's just not a thing. Most people have some fault. And if you're looking at the corporations to create to create a moral, you know, your moral barometer, then you're just it's a flawed way of thinking, especially in a capitalist capitalistic society. But it's not just because of that. Right. They're out to make a dollar. Well, if you, instead of getting mad at the corporations for trying to make that dollar, although yes, that's greed and corruption and that should be a thing and we should all kind of rally against that, why don't we look at how they've made that dollar? We should probably just stop buying their stuff. And that is the easiest answer I could possibly think of. And, and, and yet it seems to be so elusive. People get so mad at these corporations for doing these things and making these choices. And rather than looking at well how did they get there in the first place it's it's the over consumerism right and and because so many of these corporations own so many of the things what is i mean and i know that this is this is probably flawed but there was that old adage that like what 10 companies own you know 99% of the products that we actually consume so you're just feeding the monster. So in, in some ways, this kind of gluttonous overconsumption, this value shopping living that we've created, this environment where people want to get everything for cheaper, it's like it's like a, it's the Costco mentality, right? I mean, you can't go to a family barbecue without somebody going, oh, you know, you can get 400 legs of chicken at Costco for $4, right? Well, but that's the problem. And if you really care about people and in the environment and and how people are treated in this country if you want to fight against racism um you, you could everything could go back to value shopping and overconsumption. Um, racism, for instance, if you really feel strongly about um, the racism in this country, look at where you're look at the, the consumerism that you're doing. Find companies that are supporting your way of living and um, support your ideology. And, and, and I guarantee you they're probably going to be small companies and 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 don't eat uh, fast food and don't um over consume on your Costco chicken. And and then, then it comes down to, well, okay, so then the other argument is, well, well, Crystal, hold on, because like, I can't afford to, to do that. Well, I understand that. But this is the this is what's really interesting. When you start and I'm going to go back to the food thing. So bear with me when you start a healthy lifestyle of eating, okay, you find that you actually eat less. Um, I have been doing just out of the blue, I've been not out of the blue, but out of kind of like my idea head, I have been fat, doing fasting Mondays. So um, from Sunday night, around six or eight, depending on if uh, I have a, a beer or if I have some ice cream or whatever the, the deal is. Um, 
I don't eat again until the next, till Monday evening, the next night, right? I do it every Monday. Um, and the first Monday I did it, it was really, 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 really hard. Uh, fasting is a hard thing. It's kind of like a muscle. You have to learn it. Um, and I have a friend who, um, the Joe health show, right? Like he runs the Joe health show. He, he talks all the time about how, when he started the keto diet, he ate less. Um, and I'm not advocating for any diet whatsoever. Um, I, that's not my, that's not my lane. That's not my forte. But I will say when you stop over consuming, um, you find that you don't need, need things that we think that we need. And so overconsumption doesn't need to happen. Maybe you don't need 400 legs of chicken for $4 because maybe you can get the chicken from a real small local farm that treats their chickens well and humane and um, is not, you know, given in to the the whole disgustingness of what's going on in the farming industry um, for a higher price. But you're eating, but you're eating less because you don't need to eat as much. And because you're not eating as much, you're actually doing the right thing for not just yourself, but for that farmer and for the industry as a whole or the world as a whole. Because when you make small choices to, to, to underconsume, or to, I don't even want to say underconsume, to just stop consuming, like we are an endless just volcano of just bring you know just I'm just I just imagine a trough like this big huge trough of things we just keep bringing stuff into our house we keep putting stuff into our bodies um when we stop doing that we realize that we've been quite gluttonous we don't need all the things that we think that we need we really don't and it's that feeling that we need it that's causing it it's a, has a huge ripple effect i mean I, just the act of not eating as much just, just that one simple thing, right? Like you might be thinking to yourself, well, I can't give up this crystal. I can't give up this. I, I can't give up these things. Well, okay, let's just try the food thing. And I, and again, I'm not trying to, to change the diet, but it seems to be the most tangible thing. Stop buying the junk food and you'll see that you don't need to consume as much. And if you don't need to consume as much then, what else don't you need to consume as much of? It's that ripple effect. Not buying from the large corporations that are enacting all of the things that we hate. We, I don't know anybody who likes greed. I don't know anybody who likes hate. I don't know anybody who thinks that the corporations have their best interest in mind. Now there are, yes, there are caveats to that. Um, I've heard a lot about Patagonia and um, their, you know, how much they give back, but I, I don't know. I couldn't say enough. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm sure everybody has kind of their pet companies that they like to advocate for and they buy from for any specific reason but ultimately even at that point I mean the nice thing about Patagonia right is their clothes are meant to last a lifetime so you shouldn't need as many flipping clothes right you should just you should have a couple of pairs of pants and a couple of shirts and that's it closet fulls of shoes if you've got closet fulls of shoes you're over consuming it doesn't make sense and what you're doing is feeding the industry that in most people hate in some facet even if racism isn't something that you care about i'm sure you care about um taxes and i'm sure you care about um how much you know maybe it's bailout money maybe it's this maybe i mean there's always something and if you really want to follow that thread down you're following it down to the least common denominator which is the reason those companies get away with what they get away with and the reason that things are the way that they are is because we continue to over consume and we really need to stop doing such a thing. I mean, the Maria Kondo idea is interesting um, in that you're trying to, to live a minimal lifestyle. Um, 
but how did you get to that how did you get to that over lifestyle in the first place and and have you really adopted the mentality of buying what you need rather than i mean the bringing joy thing is a really interesting concept i'm i'm not going to say whether or not that's a good or a bad idea that's whatever to me though Every time you want to buy that cheap toy that's made in China for a dollar, but then you're going to get mad because the uh, blue, you know, the the middle America is out of jobs because we don't have factories here. Well, that's why. It's because you're willing to spend a dollar for the China toy because it's cheaply manufactured, it's cheaply made. But then if that same toy costs $5, you wouldn't buy it. And if that's the case, then don't buy the toy because what you're doing is feeding the industry that says um, we shouldn't we shouldn't have um, you know manufacturing in the U.S. And the reason that they've moved manufacturing out of the U.S. you can call corporate greed all day every day. That's probably part of it. The other part is because consumers don't buy the product, but consumers don't want to buy a product that's more expensive if it's made here. Um, it, just because we've over and I think it's because we've ever consumed I don't think it's be, I think it's because people say well I don't have the money I need to buy the buy the cheap product maybe that's true and listen when I was eating the two cheeseburger meal a day I hear you I get it you don't have the money I understand that but everybody that's not in that situation you do have the choices you have the choices to put your money in places that um, matter so instead of buying, you know, your kid 20 toys for Christmas, maybe look at buying one toy that's got more value and is made from a company that supports visions that you have or supports where you want to live. And and I think the reason that this is this is this feels a lot, it's because I feel like it's unpopular. Um, I think it's easy for people to blame corporations or the guy or somebody else for all of the the way that we've gotten and, and yes I do feel like they they have they definitely have responsibility but at the end of the day the dollar matters your dollar matters and if you're spending your dollar on things that feed the um, the beast then you're just as culpable as the companies that you don't like and it gets way deeper than that. It's not just about supporting or not, like the Chick-fil-A boycott, right? You That's rock on, man. If you don't agree with where they're putting their money, that's wonderful. And yet those same people might turn around and buy chicken from Costco or buy chicken from Walmart or um, that all that these are, you know, like that could be bringing, that can be for all intent and purpose, if you really want to look at what the farming industry is doing, could really be hurting the actual small farmers, could actually be racist in, in, and I don't mean racist in the, like their, their practices uh, promote a kind of a racist or an inequality. Like you need to be very careful about what you're choosing to do and where you're putting your money. And, and I think that that needs to be an overall um, practice. Overconsumption and value living is killing us. It's killing us because it's making us duplicitous and the corporations know it. They know that we would rather have the TV for 700 bucks at the end of the day to feed our whatever it is that we've got. And so sure, you know, they can they can withstand a boycott over here or they could withstand angry voices over here, but in a couple months when somebody wants their pretty cute, you know, cat planner or their um, uh, 
beanbag chair that looks like a hippo or their TV um, that, you know, for the fourth bedroom in their room or the fourth bedroom in their room, the fourth bedroom in their house, then they know that you're going to go right back and do the thing. You're going to consume something that is made with the same practices that you boycotted or that you didn't like before. And it's the gluttony. It is gluttony. At the end of the day, it's gluttonous. And um, it's not meant to be a, 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 a finger wag, although I'm sure it sounds like that. But this has been something for myself. You know, this is the whole point of this podcast is not to to preach. It's to tell you where, I, where I've been, where I've been and the kind of the unraveling that I'm going through. And, you know, even now I see how some of the things that I thought were the right choices, you know, I, I, I wanted to make right choices about the food that I ate. And if you just take that another level deeper, you realize that, you know, you really got to be careful of even that because, um, you know, you don't know what, what farming practices or, or what kind of uh, dogmas that you're supporting by certain activities that you're doing. And, and if you're going to make this choice here, why are you not making this choice over here? And, you know, there's a lot of ways to, to, to lessen your consumption, but um, your consumption matters. Stop eating as much as you eat. Stop buying as much as you buy. Stop just mass bringing stuff into your life you don't you probably don't need it and um again this is not this is not the message for the people that are in the two cheeseburger meal a day kind of situation that's that's not for you um i mean yes i think it does make sense to um think about what you're doing even at that level of of monetary income but i i recognize having lived there i recognize the the limitation and choices that you have you don't you know, even if a pair of pants is going to last you 40 years, if it costs $75 versus, you know, a pair of $2 pants at Salvation Army, I mean, that's a big, huge difference. Um, so I understand that. And I'm, I'm not here to um, try to tell people that they're making, um, you know, that they, that they need to invest in that $75 pair of pants. I'm, I, that's not me. And I know what that's like. So this is more for those of us who have, who have enough money to be comfortable um, but that uh, haven't quite made the connection between our own actions and um, the the things that we rail against, or the 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 this, this, the narratives we believe, or that we want to hold on to, or even the social change that we want to make. This is your opportunity to make real social change across a very much bigger level, um, and it's not just about you know moral anger on on social media or even boycotting a single business. This is about an entire lifestyle change that you make in order to stop the value shopping that you do or the value consuming that you do and the overconsumption of goods. Because I think in the long run, um, that matters. So if you've stuck with me this far, I appreciate it. I hope you appreciated my ramblings and I hope that maybe it gave you something to think about where I would love to hear it if you've already made this journey. I mean, I'm still doing it, right? I find myself still, um, I go to Kohl's uh, once a year for my daughters to to shop for them. And um, even then I find myself trying to have this big, huge debate about how much clothes is too many clothes, right? what do we actually need versus what we want? Um, it's still a struggle for me. I will say that, you know, and, um, there, then there's also the, when you get into the upper classes and I don't, I don't think I'm upper class at all, but when you start to, to go from, you know, extreme poverty, uh, and I, I was never in extreme poverty, but when you start go to go from poverty to more, you start to have hobbies and those hobbies require more things. And then, you know, and then it becomes a, well, no, I need to do this to, in order to do that. And it, it's very much, a, it's an interesting, it's very slippery. It, it becomes 
very difficult. And I have no my, no means mastered this. I, I definitely overconsume. I know that for a fact. Um, and I am trying. Uh, so this is not this does not come from a place of um, of of better than. And and I know that I'm going through this process myself, and I will continue to go through it. But I did think that it was important to mention because I think um, I think we need to to learn to take a better look at the choices that we make and how those choices impact the much bigger picture. Um, it, you know, it's it, it's not just about the small guy versus the big guy. It's about every decision that you make to buy any product, any product matters. So, so very much think about that product, the need for that product, w- what you're supporting when you purchase that product, no matter what it is, um, and, and try to, to minimize that. Gluttony is bad. I guess that's the, uh, the overarching mode here. So thank you again for listening. Um, I hope you all have a grand day. Uh, see ya.